Welcome to Hoosier Ag This Week. It's time now for our weekly rundown of the top news and information from this past week in Indiana and U.S. agriculture. I'm Eric Pfeiffer from Hoosier Ag Today. Thanks for joining us. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin will be here with the latest on the winter weather moving through the Midwest, including bone-chilling temperatures on the way. And Andy Eubank has market analysis after a big USDA report on Friday led to lower market numbers to close out the week. In the news, Indiana will have four new U.S. representatives come January next year, what that means for ag policy organizations like Indiana Farm Bureau. From policy in D.C. to policy in Indianapolis, the Indiana legislative session is underway. C.J. Miller explores one bill filed by Indiana's lone full-time farmer in the state legislature that would prevent the sale of farmland to foreign enemies. C.J. also shares his conversation later on in the show with this year's Miss Indiana State Fair. It was a busy week for C.J., and he shares this week's top story now. It was a big announcement on Tuesday as Indiana-based ag and energy companies Co-Alliance Cooperative and Series Solutions Cooperative announced their merging into one company. We will have a new name, Keystone Cooperative, and it's going to bring our farmer shareholders great value. And that's Kevin Still, the current president and CEO of Co-Alliance. He'll be the president and CEO of the new Keystone Cooperative when the companies merge on March 1st. Jeff Troike, the current CEO of Series Solutions, will become an executive vice president of Keystone Cooperative. Troike says the new cooperative will bring an even greater benefit to its members. We've known each other a long time. Two very, very, very successful cooperatives looking towards what's best for the future for our owners and employees. Once the merger is complete, the new company is expected to have an annual revenue of $3 billion with 20,000 farmer owners throughout Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, and Illinois. According to the cooperatives, their newly merged company will also have over 1,700 employees with 195 locations focusing on agronomy, energy, grain, and swine and feed production. And it's great for our employee group that gives them a lot of opportunities as we continue to grow, to give them a lot of different positions, a lot of uh, ability to grow with the company. And that's our most important thing as we look at doing this. It's got to be good for our members, it's got to be good for our employees, and we believe this is very exciting and it's going to take us to that next level. Keystone Cooperative will be headquartered at the site of the current corporate headquarters for Co-Alliance in Indianapolis. Still adds that Keystone Cooperative will be in an outstanding position for both strength and growth for the future. I think at the end of the day it's going to be one plus one equals three and it brings great value to our shareholders and I'm just looking forward to using the strengths from his team and the strengths of our team to really put together a championship team. You can hear my full interview with both Kevin Still and Jeff Troike as they discuss the merger and the new Keystone Cooperative. That interview at HoosierAgToday.com. You can also find it on the new Hoosier Ag Today mobile app. It's a free download for iPhone and Android. I'm C.J. Miller. All right, C.J., thanks. We're once again hearing talk of a possible government shutdown in Washington, D.C. We welcome in now our national ag correspondent, Sabrina Halverson, as she talks with an ag leader who says that continued threat of a budget shutdown is toxic for ag businesses. With the threat of a government shutdown once again looming, Speaker Mike Johnson faces pushback from his own party over a potential spending deal with Democrats. 
National Cattlemen's Beef Association Vice President of Government Affairs, Ethan Lane, is watching the situation closely. To a certain extent, this is such uncharted territory to have a narrow majority and a substantive group of people in your own party that basically aren't willing to take yes for an answer. They find fault with any deal that's struck. What they really would like to see is a shutdown in some cases. They're largely unconcerned with the economic impacts to their own rural constituents in some instances. Lane says the roller coaster of continued national budget instability is having a damaging effect on farm businesses. It's always a strain. Just like market volatility has been a big story in the cattle industry over the last few months, political instability also is detrimental to the business environment. If you don't know whether the government's going to be open next week, it's very difficult for you to plan in your business and do all the things that you need to do to be successful. So absolutely, instability, volatility, those are words that are always going to be toxic to a business environment, particularly a small business environment where they don't necessarily have capital to weather long-term shutdowns or massive market shocks. We've seen that time and time again over the last few years, and it's no different looking at these circumstances in front of us. Now. While Speaker Johnson has his work cut out for him just a few months into his new position, Lane says it would likely be the same struggle no matter who carried the title of Speaker. I'm Sabrina Halverson. All right, Sabrina, thank you very much. It's a busy time of year. You know this. It's meeting and convention season. It's the time of year where I start to rack up all sorts of miles on the Hatmobile, the Hoosier Rag Today truck that I love to take around the state. This week, it was the Indiana Association of Soil and Water Conservation Districts. They met in downtown Indianapolis on Monday and Tuesday. And I had this conversation on Monday with the executive director of the IASWCD, Liz Rice. So the great thing about this meeting is we have people from all over the state who are involved in conservation, either at their local soil and water conservation district as staff. We have NRCS partners here. We have ISDA. And of course, we have producers and soil and water conservation district supervisors from all over the state to network with each other, to learn, to advance our understanding of the, the science and the purpose of conservation and why we do it. We always leave here feeling reconnect, reconnected and recommitted to our mission of getting conservation on the land. And, and respecting the blessings that we've been uh, given for future generations. Liz, talk about the importance of the local soil and water conservation district. Uh, these folks put in a lot of work, a lot of time, and, and bring a lot of good resources. It's, it's there for people to take advantage of. Without soil and water conservation districts, conservation landscape would look a lot different and a lot weaker. The conservation districts are really the first line of defense for conservation here in the United States, and especially here in Indiana, where we have just about the highest level level of cover crop uh, usage here, highest amount of no-till, uh, and just generally getting conservation on the ground. So Indiana is a great state to be for conservation uh, and for land uh for land management, for land protection, and, and ensuring that we have clean water and healthy soil for generations to come, and it's all thanks to our local soil and water conservation districts. Tomorrow morning, we're going to be heading over to the State House and thanking our legislators for their increased investment in Clean Water Indiana funding, which is going to go a long way getting conservation on the ground through our conservation districts. Again, Liz Rice there with the Indiana Association of Soil and Water Conservation Districts. It'll be another busy week this week. At the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum, we'll be at the Fort Wayne Farm Show, and Indiana Pork will have their meeting later on this week as well. Be sure to tune in to next weekend's show for more on-the-road coverage from Hoosier Ag Today. The Indiana Farm Forecast with meteorologist Ryan Martin on the way and more farm news. Right now, we need to talk about a big USDA report on Friday and how that impacted the markets. For that, I'll throw it to Andy Eubank.
Thanks much, Eric. And the markets did sell off after the U.S. data dump at noon Eastern time Friday. Let's get right to some analysis with Brian Basting. I spoke with him at the end of trade. Brian is with Advanced Trading. Number one, would you call the report from USDA or the series of reports from USDA a bearish surprise? We can look at U.S. corn and soybean production quarterly stocks as well so how do you characterize this yeah you summarized it well there andy we really saw a significant increase in those eastern corn belt yields for both corn and beans um, we did see some larger carryout estimates also subsequently to that to a u.s corn carryout is now at 2.162 billion bushels where beans jumped up to 280. In December, Andy, the bean carryout was only 245, but the corn carryout is up from 2131 in December to 2162 here in January. Um, we didn't get much support from the stocks report either on corn or beans. Brian Basting at Advanced Trading. The number there is 309-664-2314. Now on the hat market review, the settlements from Friday trade after the USDA bearish numbers came out. March corn ends down a dime and three quarters at 447. May and July also down a dime and three quarters with May going to 459 and July 468 and a quarter. Beans down 12 and a quarter on March and May. March contract 1224 and a quarter and May 1235 and three quarters. And March wheat 596 down seven and three quarters. The meats lower too with February live cattle 171.37 down 42. And February lean hogs a 70 cent sell off down to 71.90. No markets on Monday for the Martin Luther King holiday opening back up on the Monday evening session. I'm Andy Eubank with the Market Review on Hoosier Ag this week. In Indiana, there isn't a country road, county highway, or interstate where you don't pass a farm. I'm Bruce Kettler, President and CEO of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana. Those of us involved in agribusiness understand the importance of our industry. ACI exists to advocate for the needs of our members and the whole of Indiana agribusiness at the State House and beyond. We hope you'll join us. Visit our website, inagribiz.org, to get your membership started today. The Agribusiness Council of Indiana, strengthening and connecting Indiana agribusiness. Why you got to be so cold? Bitter cold air dominates the eastern Corn Belt for about a week. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Weekend Weather Outlook. So, Two weather systems in the span of one week, both looking very similar, moisture-laden, bringing chances of snow and wind. But I tell you what, all of a sudden, Mother Nature decided we had to cram a lot of winter into a short period of time. It looks to continue through most of this week, not with precipitation as much as it is with the temperatures. Bitter cold Arctic air came on the move with these two weather systems this past week, really settling in here for today, on through the weekend and this upcoming week. We are going to be looking at the coldest air of the season so far, adding insult to injury. Yesterday's weather system had some very gusty winds with it, and those winds are not really going anywhere over the next couple of days. I'm looking for very strong wind gusts for the balance of your Saturday and your Sunday. And honestly, we are going to continue to see relatively strong west and northwest breezes all the way through Monday and Tuesday, such that I think lake effect snow can be an issue in Michigan going right on through midweek this upcoming week. 
Those are the kind of winds that we're dealing with. Why is that important? Well, for us, it's not nearly as important on the snow side as it is on the wind chill side. We're going to be seeing wind chills as a problem through a large chunk of the next to several days. Definitely this weekend, uh, you could say maybe even dangerous wind chills as we see some of our overnight lows down sub-zero and we still see strong winds. Those wind chills are going to be quite strong. Now, I think we see them subside a little bit as we move through Monday and Tuesday because the winds will come down from their highs a little, but still, wind chill, cold air is going to be a story through midweek. Temperatures may try and moderate ever so slightly on Wednesday, particularly Wednesday afternoon, but we have another reinforcing shot of cold Canadian air that dives in to finish the week Thursday, Friday, and into this coming weekend. So, I don't think we have any chance at all at being above normal for temperatures this week definitely a departure from what we've gotten used to right on time here comes the fort wayne farm show so you're going to be traveling in the cold air for that but what better time to be inside and enjoying the exhibits than when it's so frightfully cold outside going to that show i don't see any significant precipitation this week that's the thing uh, we're doing all this cold air with very minimal precipitation the little trough that sags southward wednesday night thursday with that reinforcing shot of cold air maybe it gives us a few flurries but nothing dramatic i think we're precipitation free for most of this week clouds yeah they hold firm because of the cold air but i also think we see better sunshine as the week progresses i'm ryan martin Farmers, the Fort Wayne Farm Show celebrates 35 great years at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum, January 16th, 17th, and 18th. Plan now to attend this huge three-day event featuring the area's largest variety of farm equipment and services and the latest technology. Register to win the grand prize, a Toro MyRide Zero Turn Lawnmower, courtesy of Plevna Implement. Admission is free. The Fort Wayne Farm Show at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week, open Wednesday night till 8. Thank you so much for joining us here this weekend on Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today, and as the state's legislative session is underway for 2024, one of Indiana's state lawmakers has written a bill that would prevent adversarial countries such as Russia and China from buying or leasing Indiana farmland beginning July 1st. This is about food security because we know food security is national security. And that's Representative Kendall Culp from District 16 in northwestern Indiana. He's also a farmer based in Jasper County. The six countries that would be prohibited from buying or leasing farmland in Indiana not only include Russia and China, but also North Korea, Iran, Cuba, and Venezuela. Now, a lot of purchases today are made by LLCs or shell companies or a consortium of groups. So we've identified or addressed that in the legislation that they would have to sign an affidavit, the purchaser would, guaranteeing that ownership would not belong to one of those six adversarial countries. If we found out there was a concern and, and they, in fact, were not truthful on that, the Indiana Attorney General would be required to follow up with that and then they would take that farmland from them and then resell that to someone that is eligible to farm it. Talking with other lawmakers, including Montana Senator John Tester, 
Kolb says that China has been deceptive in its ownership of U.S. land. One of the things that is happening is China will come over and form a shell company in Canada, and then that Canadian shell company will come to Montana, buy timberland, strip the timber, export it back to China. And so we've addressed that, so hopefully that doesn't happen in this piece of legislation. Kolb says his bill does more than just prevent those countries from buying Hoosier farmland. We also, in this bill, prohibit the purchase of water rights, mineral rights, and riparian rights from those six adversarial countries as well. As we talk a lot about water now in this country, it's really important that we secure our water supply as well. You can hear more of my interview with State Representative Kendall Culp and read more about the bill at HoosierAgToday.com. As we shift now from what's happening at the Indiana State House to what's been happening in Washington, D.C., Earlier this week, Indiana Congressman Greg Pence and Larry Bouchon both announced they're not running for re-election this year. Also, Congressman Jim Banks is running for U.S. Senate and is leaving his House seat in District 3. Congresswoman Victoria Sparts announced last February that she isn't running for re-election either. Immediately, a lot of work for Indiana Farm Bureau, our members, our rural communities to get out there and start having the conversations today and see who's going to run, who's going to fill those seats. And that's Andy Tower, Executive Director of Public Policy with Indiana Farm Bureau. With the likelihood of four new people representing Indiana in the U.S. House next year, he says it's important for those who want to serve in Washington that they all have the best interest in mind for Indiana's farmers, ag businesses, and rural communities. But it's time we're going to have to roll up our sleeves in pretty short order to figure out who's going to put their name in and try to, to go out and represent Indiana in those districts. And But I'm confident that we'll be able to work as an ag unit, not only just Indiana Farm Bureau, but across the barnyard and find that right person that can represent Indiana rural communities and Indian agriculture interests in Washington. Tower points to Representatives Rudy Yockum and Aaron Halchin as two recent newcomers to Washington who both quickly developed a positive relationship with Indiana Farm Bureau and its ag leaders. Congresswoman Houchin and Congressman uh, Yakum, uh, as they've, they've stepped in this uh, first Congress uh, out in D.C., they've been great to work with. Their teams have been very responsive and, and will continue to build those relationships. And, and I think that's one of the great things about Indiana Farm Bureau and our members, and that's what makes us so unique is just our ability to adapt and change um, because, as we all know, this political landscape is ever-changing. Speaking of changes, one thing that's changed is the form that you fill out to apply for financial aid for college. But Eric Pfeiffer reports now how the changes that have been made to that form may end up making college less affordable for those who live in rural communities. Farm Bureau Director of Government Affairs Dustin Shearer says an attempt to simplify the free application for federal student aid or FAFSA process came in an omnibus bill passed at the end of 2023. But if it sticks, farm families may find it more difficult to qualify for financial aid. It included a smaller bill called the FAFSA Simplification Act. The goal of the bill was to shorten the actual FAFSA form. Previously, there was an exemption in place for families who owned farms or small businesses so that there was no asset test when those kids were applying for financial aid. But that changed with the FAFSA Simplification Act. It got rid of the exemption. Families with an adjusted gross income over $60,000 will be subject to the asset test. The change means it could cost farm families a lot more money 
to send their children to college. The example that's been given is for a farm that's valued at about a million dollars, under the old rules, that family would have been expected to pay about $7,600 towards the education under the old rules. Under the new rules, that same family would be responsible for more than $41,000, which essentially would take you out of the Pell Grant and federal and state aid programs and force most people to take out student loans. Shearer says some members of Congress are taking steps to correct the error. There's been legislation introduced in both chambers to reinstate the exemption. In the House, Representatives Mann and Panetta have introduced a H.R. 1250, the Family Farm and Small Business Exemption Act. Identical legislation has been introduced in the Senate by Senators Ernst and Tester. So if you feel strongly about this issue, Shearer encourages you to reach out to your elected officials and ask them to co-sponsor those bills. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. Thank you, Eric. We're less than seven weeks away from one of the largest ag conventions in the U.S. Andy Eubank is here with more. February 28 through March 2nd, major U.S. commodity groups want you to make a trip to Houston, Houston, Houston. Houston, Texas, the site of the 2024 Commodity Classic. Presented by the National Corn, Soybean, Wheat, and Sorghum Producers. Harold Woolley of Minnesota and president of the National Corn Growers Association says there are many ways Classic can assist a farmer with the upcoming crop year. Well, I think it is the premier uh, event of the year. The equipment manufacturers, the input suppliers, everybody is down there with their representatives. So anybody that you want to discuss a farm input product with or, and there's a number of uh, marketers down there so a lot of opportunities to visit with the people that that you need to talk to on your farm. This commodity classic will feature the largest number of booths and trade show space ever with two levels of exhibits and two stages for presentations. Visit the housing and registration page for more details. We have the link at our website. I'm Andy Eubank. Thank you, Andy. Coming up in just a few, you'll meet this year's new Indiana State Fair Queen for 2024. Her name's Alexis Standish from Newton County. She's a big IU basketball fan and admits that she's not a big Purdue basketball fan. But hey, we can't all be cheering on the right team, can we? That's coming up next. I'm CJ Miller with Hoosier Ag Today, and this is Hoosier Ag This Week. Staying informed on the markets, the weather, and world events has always been important to those of us in agriculture. Today, staying informed is critical. But now it's easier than ever. The Hoosier Ag Today mobile app puts up-to-the-minute information in the palm of your hand 24 hours a day. Download the free Hoosier Ag Today app for your mobile device at the Apple Store, Google Play, or at HoosierAgToday.com. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today, and even though it's very cold today, it's going to be very cold all week long. It's time to think warm thoughts. It's time to think about summertime. It's time to think about the Indiana State Fair, which kicks off this year 
on Friday, August 2nd. And when the state fair kicks off, a brand new young lady will be wearing the crown and sash as Miss Indiana State Fair 2024. I had the chance to chat with the brand new fair queen after the fair queen pageant last Sunday. Introducing your 2024 Miss Indiana State Fair Queen, Miss Alexis Standish, Miss Newton County, Indiana. Congratulations to you. My first question, what went through your mind when it got down to the final 10 contestants and they announced the first runner-up and you're on stage and they announced you as the fair queen for 2024. What went through your mind at that moment, Alexis? Well, I'm going to be so honest. I didn't expect it at all. I mean, I came in here just for the memories to meet some great girls with this, you know, incredible credentials just as I. And I was going to be happy if I, you know, came as in top 10 or if, you know, if I ended up winning and it just ended up being that way. And I am absolutely shocked. I'm just very happy overall, to be honest. <laughs> Chatting with Alexis Standish, she is your 2024 Miss Indiana State Fair Queen from Newton County, Indiana, just north and west of uh, uh, Tippecanoe County, Lafayette area. And I mention that because you grew up near Purdue, but yet you're a student at IU. Tell me a little bit about that and what you're studying in Bloomington. So my uncles were diehard Hoosiers, went to IU. And I kind of grew up in Purdue and everyone was going to go. And I was like, I'm going to be a little different. And I'm going to go to IU and be a doctor. So I went to Bloomington and now I am a diehard Hoosier. And I just can't help myself. I will make every dig at Purdue that I possibly can. <laughs> In fact, you gave a speech when you were among the top 16 semifinalists uh, talking about uh, your passion for basketball, your passion for IU, and uh, gave a little bit of a friendly dig at uh, the cross-state rivals in West Lafayette. And mind you, we are at the Indiana State Fairgrounds, and a lot of folks here are from Purdue, and so... I'm sure you heard a little bit of that from the audience when you said what you said during your speech. Oh, I definitely thought I was going to get booed off the stage, 100%. But I was like, oh, maybe some comedic relief is what I need right now just to get through all the jitters and the stress. But I got the crowd laughing, so that was all that mattered. Chatting with Alexis Standish here, the 2024 Miss Indiana State Fair Queen. In terms of uh, 4-H, you have... 10 years of 4-H under your belt and so when it comes to 4-H when it comes to the Indiana State Fair it's been a part of uh, what you've experienced growing up Alexis. Yeah I mean being in a small town and going to a small school as big as mine it was really important to my family to my community to get involved in 4-H and FFA and things like that and because I did have 10 years I was able to pick and choose what I wanted to do and participate in so many different things so I got to get a little feel for different types of things and learn different skills and it really helped me in the long run for sure. Alexis I'm going to put you on the spot what are you looking forward to most about serving as this year's representative for the 2024 Indiana State Fair? So I love this question but I'm gonna have to say the food 100% I am such a foodie uh, I love trying new things get it. I love when people that just like con me into trying new things and I try and I actually end up liking it and then last year I tried pickle pizza for the first time and I absolutely adored it I went back for seconds thirds every time I went to the state fair so I'm definitely looking forward to trying at least something from every stand at the state fair 100% part of your role as ambassador for the 2024 Indiana State Fair is traveling to a number of different county fairs and being that representative and wearing that crown and sash and I'm sure a lot of mileage is going to be put on uh, the vehicle hitting up all those county fairs later this summer Alexis. 
It's definitely going to be a lot. And uh, honestly, I didn't expect to win. I was actually going to study abroad in Ireland this summer. Um, but yeah, but uh, but I was I was talking to Steuben County and she was like, well, you're going to get your study abroad in Indiana. And honestly, I couldn't be more happy about it because this is my home state. I'm very blessed, very honored. Yes, for sure. I will make one quick comment of all the different fair queens that I've interviewed. You seem to be the most chillaxed of all of them that I've come across. And I'm, I'm very impressed, and not really a question, but just, just letting you know just how impressed I am with how relaxed you seem to be with wearing the crown and sash. It's the athlete in me. I can't help it. I'm going to do my own thing. You don't need to worry yourself or get anxiety over something that's really not that deep. So I'm just going to do my thing and go with it. It's going to be great. She's going to do her thing during the 2024 Indiana State Fair. Miss Alexis Standish, the pride and joy of Newton County, Indiana, your 2024 Miss Indiana State Fair Queen. Once again, congratulations to you, Alexis. We'll look forward to seeing and running into you at many of the events over the summer and the upcoming State Fair. Congratulations, Alexis. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And don't forget to mark your calendars now. The Indiana State Fair kicks off this year on Friday, August 2nd. Well, that does it for this week's edition of Hoosier Ag This Week. If you missed any part of today's show, you can listen to the podcast version at our website at HoosierAgToday.com. For Andy Eubank, Eric Pfeiffer, Sabrina Halverson, and our chief meteorologist, Ryan Martin, I'm C.J. Miller, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network.